Welcome to CMMS Radio, a podcast, blog site, and general resource for all things CMMS, computerized maintenance management software, from selection to implementation to help you make better choices, learn from industry experts, and have a successful CMMS journey. We'll bring in experts along the way to help us learn more about CMMS, facilities operations, and much more. If you need help with a CMMS project, send a message at cmmsradio.com using the What's On Your Mind link. Suggest a topic, share your CMMS story, or ask questions. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Today, we are joined by Jeremy Burge. He is the Chief Operating Officer of Louisiana Truck Stop and Gaming. Jeremy, thank you for joining us today. How are you doing? Doing good. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. I'm really glad we got a chance to put this together and get you on an episode. The reason for that is you're in what I see as a unique space, although we see this space you know, throughout North America, the world as well. But in particular, when we talk about things like truck stops and gaming, that's a really nice kind of interesting combination for me. <laughs> I hope that's the same other people, but you and I have had several conversations over the last few years about this, about what we do. So what I want to do is just kind of talk a little bit about your experience. I know you've been there for 15 years and you've dealt with not just things like IT and field services, but you have a very heavy involvement in ops and facilities as it relates to operations. So what is your background that led you into this role? And what are some of the things that you deal with on a day-to-day basis relative to facilities and maintenance management? Okay. Um, So kind of what led me into this was um, my former role was the IT director and operations. Um, So we were doing everything using spreadsheets and keeping up with it that way and decided to look for some sort of platform to kind of keep everybody in um, the communication loop. Um, As far as, I mean, we do everything from building maintenance and to equipment maintenance through it. Um, So just a platform to kind of keep everybody um, in the same loop. Right. Now, when we talk about the locations, how many total locations do you have to manage on a day-to-day basis? It's 26 locations, and they are scattered from one side of Louisiana all the way down to the other. So driving time, we're looking anywhere from five to six hours in between each location. And then the, the team that's out there, the way you're leveraging CMMS platforms, I'm, I'm less concerned about what the platform is, what it's called. I'm more interested in how you leverage CMMS to solve specific problems. So how does a CMMS platform help you and your team actually deliver what you set out to deliver every day? Are there specific problems that it solves or things that you avoid like catastrophes if, you know, like you didn't have one, how does that kind of unfold for you? Um, a, I mean, it starts from just the location manager putting in um, a work order for the problem. Um, And then all the way up to the scheduling of my technicians, like I said, I mean, we're scattered all across the state and I have technicians in two different portions of the state. 
So it kind of helps with our scheduling of those guys and to make them more efficient um, and get to um, kind of our more critical problems and making sure that everything is being handled and from my operations team to maintenance. Because, I mean, ultimately, it kind of spreads across multiple departments. Um, so it's just really just helps with the communication. So essentially, if you didn't have a CMMS platform and you're doing some of those more kind of old school, hey, we're going to get it done however we get it done, Excel, voicemails, emails, all these different things, absent a CMMS system, have you seen big differences in the efficiency and lots of blind spots when you can't get to that data quickly? We have. Um, and actually, before I had the program, um, it was three took three people to do scheduling of the teams and now i'm down to one person that basically handles all of the scheduling so actually helped me in labor dollars as well that's great so you get the savings in the labor dollars you have a single point of contact that can funnel everything out through the platform everybody's got the visibility to it so whether they're in the field or at the office it doesn't really matter anymore because you're all seeing a heck of a lot closer to real-time data and Correct. then the data collection itself. Are there specific ways you use that data collection? And here, here's why I'm asking. There's this really big trend and it's been around for a long time, but right now it's really, really heating up again, so to speak. And it's the digital transformation of how data is truly being leveraged to inform how we're moving through the world in our day-to-day -day operations. So are you leveraging that data after the fact, looking back at things like PMs versus break-fix scenarios and learning from it so that you can make adaptations and iterations of what you already do so well? So we are. Um, we actually... Uh have our assets all in the program as well so we're tagging assets um, and kind of helps see does it make sense continue to repair versus you know should i just go ahead and replace it um, and then we actually use it for our gaming devices as well and track them that way as as far as the repair and maintenance and keeping a preventative maintenance schedule for those um, every I don't know, six months um, of them being cleaned and that type of thing. Right, right. And that's, that's one of the interesting things about what you do that always intrigued me because I think a lot of us in the world, well, especially in the United States, we know what a truck stop is, right? Right. And then to add in that element that there is gaming, it's a really interesting combination <laughs> that actually makes an incredible amount of sense. And I... I I think about those assets when you and I have talked over the years and how obviously the built environment, we have a facility, we have the truck stop itself, we might have a convenience store, and then we've got the gaming. The gaming machines is a critical aspect of your income stream, let alone a convenience for the various patrons of the truck stops, right? So it's a critical component of what you do every day. Do you find that the number of failures 
has reduced on gaming equipment as a result of leveraging a CMMS platform to set up your PMs? Have they have they lasted longer, performed better, etc.? They have um, less downtime. Um, like I said, we set it up where they um, have a PM schedule of the cleaning and um, maintenance of the bill units, the printers, the common problems. Um, so a the preventative maintenance has helped. B actually having the asset tracked with the work order um, has helped us as well. If we've had a machine that's had, I don't know, say a printer issue for several times, then that kind of tells us that we need to replace that printer um, versus keep repairing. So it has helped with the downtime of machines, um, most definitely. And as far as... CMMS platforms in general, right? Not not a particular one, but you've seen a lot of the challenges in real time that I tend to talk about on monologue episodes. I bring it up in some of the other video episodes, but for you, you're right there. You've seen what it's like to look for, you know, identify, and then select, and then implement, and then leverage CMMS platforms. And you've done it with more than one platform. Are there some specific challenges that you find to be really common to that process? And if so, what are they? And then on top of that, what's your advice for others when they're taking this approach or taking on this project to either get their first CMMS or replace an existing CMMS? So challenges you've seen with different selections and implementation processes over your years, and what would your advice be for people when they're looking, and then what's your advice when they're implementing? Okay. Um, so kind of my biggest challenge when I first started um, was finding a program that was adaptable to our needs. Um, a lot of what we found, it was more geared towards building maintenance. Um, so that was a challenge in the beginning. Um, the... Um, implementation side was um, have a good bond with your the team that is doing your rollout um, really communicate exactly what you're needing um, and then just following through um, with what they've told you um, really vet their support departments um, that's my biggest advice is really dive in before you sign any agreements that it is truly what you need, um, whether it's have them set you a test environment um, and do um, test work orders, test workflows, that type of thing, um, just to make sure that it truly fits your needs for your organization um, before you sign a contract. I like that because. There's been some conversations I've been a part of lately, and one of, the, one of those things is that a lot of these systems have an incredible amount of similarity, but it's in the differentiation, not from a competitive perspective, but from a nuanced perspective. How does this system actually work? What is the actual workflow, and is it a fit for this team that is about to use it? So what I'm hearing from you is that 
You're a fan of trial environments so that you can put it to the test before you execute on anything like an agreement. And as you're doing that, what I'm also hearing is that you want to get a real solid experience of what that organization providing that solution is doing on support and delivery. And is that because you've been in situations where you had a system and then the company providing it just couldn't come to the table for you and support you, guide you, and really drive your success? Was that That's something that exactly what experiences happened? <laughs> where that didn't happen? Yep. Um, I've, and no, we don't want to name any companies. Right. So it, it's, I've, it, it's more about the experience because I think everybody's out there trying really, really, really hard to do a good job, but they don't set themselves up to keep you top of mind. Correct. That They, they get buried in their own stuff. Right. And then you have made, um, they've made promises of things that improvements and modifications and then end up not following through or doing the full development of that platform in the original direction that it was said that it was going to be done. Got it. <laughs> I guess that's the best way to put it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, when I think about that and then the little, the little, I don't know if it was a ringtone or whatever that came on there. This is, this is, so for me, this is a really common thing that I've seen over the years, having been a representative of one system while learning about all the other systems and engaging with so many people over the years on what challenges they're experiencing. Sometimes what happens is they get these great solutions with great companies. Those companies go through some kind of a change and we see this, it happens. And then clients end up kind of stuck and your advice on not just trying out a system with a real-time trial environment, but really leaning in on some of that support to get a good indicator of, or indication of how that company is going to stand by you. That That's where you're going to do your best job of mitigating the risk. And then for me, I would add to that, you know, for anyone that's dealing with a similar issue is, always ask those those vendors the really hard questions that are most important to you. Don't make any exceptions there because I think a lot of them are really, they are wanting to be there for you and they will take that difficult question and try their best to answer it. And then if it doesn't sound or feel right, then don't proceed. Yep. Um, it's, it's really, uh, at some point you're, you're, able to minimize the risk by learning more and more about that vendor. And if the workflow is in place that matches what your team already likes to follow, or they see the potential to improve and then also solve these problems, maybe there's gaps from an existing system, you're moving to this new system and you find that the workflow is incredibly efficient compared to what you're using. And then you find that that organization that you're looking at and evaluating is actually engaging not just around their opportunity to make a sale, but if they're engaging around their opportunity to solve your problem, then you're probably on a winning path with that vendor. Uh, it doesn't guarantee things won't change, but are you then when it comes to, I'm going to switch gears to 
the adoption, user adoption within your team. Are you finding over these years you've developed your own strategies for how to get personnel to actually use it? Because a lot of a lot of the cowgirls and cowboys out there, they're gunslinging and doing great work. But when you put some technology in front of them, they're not too keen on it unless it works just right. So what have been your strategies to really have good, strong user adoption? Um, strong user guides um, has been really kind of my go-to um, with my team. Um, kind of take the basics that the different providers provide you and then customize and build it to your own environment. Um, that's really been my big push with my team because um, I don't have some of the most tech savvy managers that are keying in work orders and that type of thing. Um, so just having really good documentation um, to provide to them to use as resources has really been the biggest help for our organization when doing any type of rollout. And then do you allow, like, like from your own perspective, do you allow those individuals to engage directly with the vendor on their training protocols? If they, you know, let's say, let's say I worked for you and I said, Oh, Jeremy, I'm struggling with this, this, and this. Can I just reach out to so-and-so and get my own training? Do you allow them to do that? If the provider or the platform does provide that, then yes. Um, I've been in some situations where their teams don't provide really support to the end user and it's all has to be done in-house. Um, so, um, so kind of both ways. Um, we would allow it if the vendor does provide that support. And I think you know, for you and anyone else, when the vendor does provide that support, take advantage of it. And I'm not saying take advantage of them. I'm saying use that as an opportunity to improve the ability of your users to adopt and really use this technology. And then if you're in a situation where it's a train the trainer philosophy, those work really, really well if they are done right. And what I mean by that is let's set this customer up and then let's empower them to support their own people, which means we're not going to say that we're going to train the trainers and make you really good at that. We're actually going to do that. I think that's another strategy that can work if the vendor can make your top level team really good at using the platform and give them lots and lots of tools to bring in-house to support their team. I think that's a strategy that can work, again, if the vendor steps up and does it. Something I want to switch to is there's another concept that we're seeing everywhere, and this was always kind of in place, but there's this idea of a deskless workforce, and that's really what you deal with. The majority of your teams that are getting things done are not necessarily sitting at a desk. They're working on a piece of equipment. They're moving from one site to another. So mobile environments are really important. Has that been part of your strategy to try to leverage whatever platform you use to really empower the team to stay on the move? It is. Um, that was my last transition. That was my biggest, one of my biggest focuses was a mobile platform to make it easier for my team. Um, and then the ability for them, my staff that's creating a work order to have 
multiple platforms, whether it's a mobile or a call-in number, to actually be able to submit those tickets without actually physically having to be there in front of the computer. I agree. I think it's a great way to really further bring them into the into the fold when it comes to day-to-day operations. And I also think you mentioned one thing there, this option to call something in, whether it's somebody requesting something or one of your team members that wants to communicate that something was completed or something they encountered during that completion. It's really nice to have that voice option. And there are a couple of systems out there that do it. So, you know, anybody, anybody out there that's looking for that kind of a technology lift or functionality to further empower them, their team, they can reach out to me or they can check out cmmsradio.com. We've got a couple of affiliates up there. I wanted to then switch gears on more of a personal outlook for you, like what you're seeing now versus what you're seeing in the future. What do you see as current slash soon to be trends when it comes to maintaining facilities like the ones that you maintain? What are, what are the things that you're seeing and what are the things that you think are going to change in the next year or two? Um, kind of the biggest change that we've seen is just response time from vendors and communication with them. Um, just over the past several years, um, every company has had their struggles with staffing and maintaining that high level of service. Um, so just the communication and being able to link them into our systems for them to be able to see that workflow as well. Um, and just them becoming more engaged in, I guess, kind of our environment and um, our workflows and work orders um, for them to be able to also see uh, the history of what all has been done to, to say an air conditioner unit or a piece of an equipment. I agree with you on that because these vendors that provide services at your various locations, certain types of equipment and whatnot are actually a critical part of what you do and vice versa. So it makes complete sense to have them plugged in utilizing the exact same platform or at least being able to communicate the real time or near real time data about what they're doing so that you're not wondering if they're doing it or not. And they're not having to call 10 different people and wait three days to get the info they need before they go and fix something. So I think that's great to have a platform that allows for you to integrate your vendors into the process so that everybody's using the same data points and whatnot, pieces of the critical data to get something done. Is that essentially a good way to put what you were talking about? Best way. (laughs) All right. All right. So now when it comes to the future of Louisiana truck stop and gaming, are you expecting that you'll continue to grow as an entity with additional locations over the years, or do you expect it to kind of stay similar and just the activity itself by location will increase? Um, of course, we're always looking to grow. Um, truck stop market is a little harder in Louisiana just due to the regulations. Um, but yeah, I mean, if locations come available. We're definitely uh, looking to grow and expand uh, our location counts. Excellent. Excellent. Now for me, 
I think with all these episodes, when I have somebody on, especially for you, and I know you're very busy, you're running a complicated operation, you're always running and gunning. I've noticed that over the years <laughs> that we've talked that we we have to really work hard to get together and connect like this. But how do people get in touch with you if they wanted to learn more about Louisiana Louisiana Truck Stop and Gaming? or get your insights on some of these things we're talking about or some of the other things relative to how you run operations? How would people get in touch with you? So you can check out our website at um, latruckstopgaming.com. You can feel free to share. You have my contact information. Feel free to share that um, with your users and your podcast. Excellent. So, what I'll do is when we produce the episode is I'll, I'll put some contact info for your website and I'll share a little bit on how they could find you on LinkedIn. How does that sound? Perfect. All right. Well, I know you're on the road. You got a lot of operational things to do. Jeremy, I want to thank you for being on CMMS radio and we look forward to seeing you continue to thrive within the business and thanks again for your time today. Yeah, most certainly. Thanks, Greg. My pleasure. Take care. Bye. Did you find this episode helpful? Please send us some feedback, suggest a topic, or ask a question. And follow us on your favorite podcasting platform. Reach out to CMMS Radio if you need a co-pilot on your CMMS project. And keep listening to CMMS Radio. Do you have a CMMS story? We'd love to hear it. Visit CMMSRadio.com and use the What's On Your Mind link. Thank you for tuning in to CMMS Radio, your resource for all things CMMS from selection to implementation to help you make better choices, learn from industry experts, and have a successful CMMS journey.